1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of his time in the flesh no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them in the same excess of dissipation, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For the gospel has for this purpose been preached, even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. Okay, so last time we covered verses 1 through 4. And then in verse 5 it says, it says uh, um, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. They will give an account to him. And in verse 6, for the gospel has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead. So when it says that it's been preached even to those who are dead, it's presupposing that they, it was preached to them when they were alive. Because once a person has died, the gospel will be unavailing. To them, it would not help them once they are dead. It was preached to them when they were alive that though they are judged in the flesh as men, so these are probably martyred people, they were judged in the flesh as men, that they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. Now let's look at verse 5. But they will give an account to him who is ready. So he goes through a number of different things that, that, that people uh, are involved in. And he says in verse 2, he says that they, the, it talks about the lust of men. And he says, the time has already passed for you to live like the Gentiles. Again, the, he is speaking to Messianic Jews in the diaspora, in southern, what southern Turkey, which was Asia Minor at the time. And, and uh, um, he is writing to them, and he's saying, don't be like the Gentiles around with the Gentiles that you live with. He says, it's already passed. The time is over. Having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries, in all these things, they're surprised that that you do not uh, uh, that, that you do not run with them. And so now he's going to talk about the judgment that occurs, and this judgment is a serious thing. So some people think that there are going to be a few different judgment periods, a few different judgment periods, some for believers, some for unbelievers. Others think that it is, it is one and the same. So I'm not taking any particular stance on this. You can, you can choose whichever you want. But what we're going to see is that there is a judgment period. I want you to, to look first at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and, nine, eight, verse eight and 8 through 10, actually. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that... No one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So he says, it is by grace we are saved. It is not based on works. It is by grace. Our works could never get us saved. There is no good works, enough good works that we could do to get us saved. We are saved by grace, which comes through faith. Believing in Jesus, in his, in, in, that he's come, that he's died for our sins, that he's been resurrected, and he's been raised from the dead. 
that Jesus has, has died for our sins and that he's resurrected and he's raised from the dead. It talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But he says that we accept this through faith. This is not a work, it is through faith, and it is a gift of God. It's not a result of works that no, no one may boast. So he stresses this. Now, with that, once we are saved, what are we saved for? In verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Once we are saved, then comes the good works that we are supposed to walk in them. God has actually prepared these beforehand. Did you know these were preordained? Nothing takes God by surprise. And he says, for we are his workmanship created. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. God made us for good works. He made us to do good things, which he prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So he has good works for us. We're not saved by them. But now let's look in Matthew chapter 25. Some people call this the, the, uh, uh, they, they, they think that this is during the tribulation, this will take place before the millennial kingdom to decide who is going to be in the millennial kingdom. After the tribulation, Jesus is going to return. He's going to return and He's going to reign for a thousand years and during this millennial reign. Others think that this is one and the same with the great white throne judgment, which we'll see in Revelation in a minute. Matthew 25, verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. So you see that he is separating them and he separates them into the sheep and the goats. And he says of the sheep, that you did all these works for me. These were all good works that you did toward me and that you did it to the least of my brothers. I am telling you, when you do good works, when you do things for others, these are recorded and you are blessed because of them. If you think they have been forgotten, you're wrong. You're just wrong. They have not been forgotten by God. God records absolutely everything. All of this is recorded. When you do it to the least of people, you do it to Jesus. You do it to Jesus. Jesus said, you have done it to me. And then in verse 41, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared, by the, for, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I want you to notice 
that he says in verse 41, that depart from me, accursed ones, into eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. That, it is based on that that some feel that that is not the, the, the entrance into the millennial reign with Jesus, but that is really speaking of part of what is going to take place at the white throne judgment, because that's exactly what is prescribed in the white throne judgment, where they are thrown into the lake of fire, which, is, which was initially prepared for the devil and his angels. It is a serious thing. Remember, every word in this book is going to come to pass. Jesus even said everything that has been written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. It says again in in, in in the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 1. Matthew, chapter 1. Uh, uh, in Matthew, chapter, chapter, chapter 1, verse 22. It says, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophets. All of this is going to take place. Everything that is written here is going to take place. And so, this is a serious thing. We are saved for good works. If you are not active about good works for the Lord, you're really missing out. As a believer, you will not be saved according to the good works, but your reward in heaven will be determined by your good works here on earth. For the unbelievers, they will be judged by their lack of good works. They will be judged, and, and the degree of their punishment will be, will, will be doled out according to the extent of their works. For the believer, your works will not save you, you are saved but your reward in heaven will be based upon your good works, and your reward on earth is very much based upon your good works. If you see a generous person, if you meet a generous person, person they are generally don't suffer with real depression. They don't suffer with this, well, why doesn't, why doesn't the world ever be good to me? No, they're too busy serving other people to worry about getting things for themselves. This is what you see. Generally, people that give, people that give of them, themselves, their time and, the, and their money, are generally happier people. So you get, you, re, you get a return on earth, and it very much depends on, on uh, it very much is, is, is dependent what you get in heaven based on this. Then there is another verse in 2 Corinthians. Let, let's look in, in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. And this is, what's sometimes referred to as the judgment seat of Christ, or the Bema, the Bema seat, uh, where Christians receive the degree of rewards based on their service work for God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. There will be a judgment day, and there will be a judgment day, and this too for believers. And then there is Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Revelation 20, verse 11. This is where some believe just the, the unbelievers are going to be judged. This is, this is the, this, uh, 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 and sentenced uh, um, according to, to their, their deeds. And so this is what's referred to as, as the uh, uh, great white throne judgment. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven <clears throat> fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. 
And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So you see why some look at this and they equate this with the portion that we read in Matthew because the penalty is spoken of in the same way. And and in verse 11, it speaks of a great white throne. That's why this is referred just, just to that those very words. And it says, it says, uh, uh, and from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. So people tried to hide from this, but earth and heaven fled away and just left them there. Everybody is going to appear before this throne. And it, the, the dead, the great and the small, everybody is there. Books were opened. If your name is written in the book of life, it's one thing. If it's not written in the book of life, it's another. Deeds People are judged according to their deeds. If your name's written in the book of life, again, the deeds are going to decide your, your blessing in heaven, in eternity. If your name is not written in the book of life, the deeds are going to decide the extent of the punishment. This is what is written. It has nothing to do with me. If you don't agree, this, if you don't agree with this, I'm just fine. I am totally fine if you don't agree with this. You do not have to agree with this. It's going to happen. You don't have to. Whether we agree with it or not, it's absolutely going to happen. What is written here is going to happen whether we agree with it or not. This is exactly what is written, exactly what will take place. And so this is this great white throne judgment. There, the, again, others look at these, these three judgments that we just looked at as one in the same. And so let, let's look at... at, at uh, uh, so, so they'll look at this, this portion of the great white throne judgment as one and the same as, as, as these others all put together. So if you look in, in, uh, um, in Romans chapter, twi- chapter 14, Romans chapter 14, it says, it says uh, but, you, <clears throat> but you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. There is a judgment. There is a judgment for believers and unbelievers and everybody will give some account of himself to God. Everybody will end up giving some account of himself to God. That will happen. That has to happen. So, again, some, some view these as all one and the same. But either way, regardless, there are things to, to remember here. In whether, whether you regard this as three separate or one, Jesus will be the judge. In every case, Jesus is the judge. Jesus is the one that's going to be judging. All unbelievers are going to be judged by Jesus according to what they have done. And, and, and wrath will be doled out according to this. For believers, they're going to be judged by Jesus, uh, uh, and this judgment by Jesus according to their deeds will determine their blessings that are going to be given to them for eternity. If you are not active in good deeds, I encourage you to begin. I encourage you to begin. And then he is going to start to tell us about how how we can partake in these sorts of things as we read on. So let's read on in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit 
for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sin. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace. Whoever speaks is to do as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do as one who is serving in the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So what he says to them in verse 7, the end of all things is near. And he is talking about the 70 A.D. judgment. Remember, we as people often mark time by big events. In this culture, now around the world, people are marking time by COVID, pre-COVID, post-COVID. And so big events happen, people mark time around that. Again, uh, uh, many of you are too young to remember, but people marked time by the events that happened on September 11, 2001. 9-11, they'll say pre-9-11, post-9-11. Pre-9-11, we didn't have to take off our shoes when we went through the airport and things like that. Things were different. Things were handled differently pre-9-11, post-9-11. If you read C.S. Lewis, he talks a lot about For him, it was World War II, many of the events around World War II, and he'll write about this and talk about this. If you read Mere Christianity, you say, what's with this guy in World War II? Because that's what they had just come through. And so people mark time. They are marking time by when the the 78 AD judgment is going to come upon the Jews. This is the destruction of Jerusalem. It's going to start, the siege is going to take place about four or five years after this book is being written. So this, and, and they know it because it has to happen in that generation. And, and, uh, um, and it's going to be a big devastation. He says, the end of all things is near. <clears throat> he says, therefore, you're, and then he gives them six things to do. He says, you're to be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Verse 7, you're to be of sound judgment. You're to be the, uh, he says, I don't want you to have a cluttered mind. Have, have you ever been just so flustered, so many things are coming at you, you, you can hardly even speak? Has that ever happened to you? And, and uh, sometimes things come at me so fast. I remember once I was in the airport and I, I missed my flight because I was, I was just going through the logging in to, to uh, um, I, I was traveling and, I, and, and you, you know how you, you have to, to uh, uh, sign in online. And I was going through and I was just hitting, okay, 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 okay. And I hit, um, yes, put me on another flight. I hit okay. And instantly, my seat was gone, just gone. And I was booked for the next day. And, and, uh, and, I was, and <laughs> this happened before my, I couldn't even speak. I was just trying to get through this very quickly. Sometimes things can come at you. So next time you, you, you check in online, be careful where you hit with your, with your thumb. Just go slow it. Go slow. Because if you go too fast, they have it programmed for you to give up your seat. And, and so, so they can give this to seat to somebody else. And any, anyway, so things can come at us so fast. He says, I want you to be of sound judgment. I want you to know the end is coming. Things are going to become really rough for, for, for the Jewish people. I want you to think about this. Be of sound judgment. And he says, be of sober spirit for prayer. When Heaviness, when there are great things come upon us, he says, just remember to be extra pr- in extra prayer. Prayer will be just a sanctuary for you. He says, this is what you're really going to need. You're going to need prayer here. 
Then he says in verse 9, Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Because when these things come upon you, people are going to be without homes, people are going to be looking for places to live, places to stay. He says you've got to be extra hospitable. There are seasons when you have to be extra hospitable. When there's a flood in Houston and people don't have places to live, homes have to be opened. There are times where you have to be extra hospitable. He says be ready for that. And then in verse 10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. He says, you've all been given gifts, you better start employing it. So if you're not active in good deeds, let me make a recommendation. Learn to be active. And it's easy to begin to learn when you're part of a church. When you're part of a church, there's always things that need to be done. You can ask around, what can I do? What can be done? What can be done so that every week I will come here and do that? So you can depend on me. And if I'm going to be away, I will let you know I'm going to be away because I won't be able to do it that week. That I will make plans. If I can find somebody else to fill in for me, I'll find somebody else. Whether it's setting up chairs or working with kids. If you come to this church on a Wednesday night, it is hopping. I mean, there's so much activity going on here on a Wednesday night. They need people for, for instructing children. They need people to do little Awana classes, to, to work with the youth, to work with the young people. So many things need to be done. You can get plugged in. And so he says here, he says in verse 10, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as the one who speaks the utterances of God. Okay, so he's saying if, if you speak, there's, there, there's a number of different speaking gifts. Uh, uh, but th- l- let, me, let me back up because I missed one here in verse 8. He says, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sin. So what he s- says here is you have to keep fervent in love. And what he's talking about is agape love here. Agape love is a love that anybody can have because it is an act of the will. It, it, is, it is hard to love someone affectionately in other domains, but agape is something that is an act of a will. I decide to love you. I decide to do this out of an act of love. Because I love my Lord, I've decided to love you. He says, we are to do this. This is an act of love. And an act of love, and he says, he says, he says here that because love covers a multitude of sin. That's proverbial for them. That's a proverb for them. So if you look in, in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12, I'm reading out of the King James. Hatred stirreth up strife, but love covers all sin. That's a proverb for them. James talked about the same thing. He says, uh, let, him who, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sin. This is, this is a, a proverb for them, so it's a proverbial statement for him, for, for, for Peter to say this, because he's quoting from the book of Proverbs. So he says, love covers a multitude of sin, because if you love, you forgive. There are many things people are going to do against us, and to learn how to forgive. And we do this out of love. Love is something that, that we choose to do. This type of love, this, this agape love, is something we choose to do. Then we talk about showing hospitality. And then he says, you're going to exercise now your spiritual gift. You start to serve in your spiritual gift. The first, he mentions two sets of spiritual gifts. He says, he who speaks. There are these speaking gifts. There's the spoken word. In the speaking gifts, there's prophecy, teaching, exhortation, and evangelism, which is preaching. Those are the speaking gifts. 
often before you exercise those, you start with the service gifts. And he mentions those. For he who serves to do as one serving. You start with the service gifts very often. You know, it's, it's like uh, you don't want to come in and say, hey, I think I got the gift of teaching. Pastor, step aside. Let me take the pulpit this week. That's, that's not going to easily happen. You start with the gifts of serving. You start by picking up chairs. My first job, when I started joining the church, my first job is they, they had this big Christian conference. And I was picking up people from the airport and bringing them in. And I was carrying baggage, which was perfect for, for a 19-year-old college student. Absolutely perfect. There were no elevators. So they, they, they had this conference at a college, and there were no elevators in the college. And, and um, this is back before ADA and all these regulations that you had elevators. And so there were stairs. And so people were coming with bags, and families were coming with bags, and they were staying in the dormitories. And I carried baggage. And at 19 years old, it was actually fun to carry baggage. It wasn't like, oh, no, I'm going to carry that bag. And, and there's a time in your life that it's not hard to carry baggage up steps and do this. And we did that. That's what I did. And then, then the other thing that I was doing, I was making cassette tapes because there was the teaching going on. Then we would stay up late at night taking the, the master tape and putting it in these slave units that would make like three copies at a time, run through the whole thing and make tapes so that when the believers came the next day, they could buy the tapes from the, the cassette tapes from the day before. There are service gifts that you participate in. And then if you're faithful in this, there may be opportunities for you to start moving into the speaking gifts. And this is teaching Bible studies, where you start teaching little Bible studies to groups of people. And you start doing these sorts of things. And as you're faithful in this, you get more. If you're faithful in this, you get more. If you do not serve, even the gifts that have been given you will seem to lift and be taken away from you. This is clearly what the scriptures teach us. The scriptures teach us this sort of thing. And so, so uh, um, for example, in, in, um, in, verse, in, in Luke chapter 19, in Luke chapter 19, verse 11, Jesus speaks about these gifts that he gives. Luke chapter 19, verse 11, And while they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, and they were supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. So he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself. And then returned. And he called ten of his slaves. And he gave them ten minas. And said to them, do business with this until I come back. What I want you to notice is he, he, he called ten of his slaves. And he gave them ten minas and said, do business with this. But his citizens hated him and sent him a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that the slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him, so that they, they might know the business that they had done. The first appeared, saying, Master, your mina has made ten minas more. So there were ten slaves. He gave them each one mina. He said, Your mina, your mina has made ten minas more. I want you to listen to this. Your mina has made 10 minus more. It's almost as if it's devoid of me. Your mina did this. It is amazing. The strength that you have given me has done this, Lord. Your strength has done this. You have done this. Your ability, 
that you gave me to speak, your ability did this. Your mina did this. So he says, Master, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave. Because you have been faithful in very little thing, you are going to be an authority over ten cities. The second came and said, Your mina, Master, has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. And he came saying, Master, and another came saying, Master, uh, here is your mina, which I kept put away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are an exacting man. And you take up where you do not lay down, and you reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, by your own words I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you, not, did you know that I am an exacting man, taking up what I did not lay down, and reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you not put my money in the bank, and having come, I would have collected it with interest? Then he said to the bystanders, Take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And he said, and they said, Master, he has ten minas already. He says, I tell you that everyone who has, more shall be given him. But the one who does not have, even what he does have, shall be taken away. It's interesting, this one slave that was given a mina and didn't do anything with it, he viewed the master as being a hard master. And that is exactly what happened in his life. How we view God is how we often will receive from him. I view God as being generous and gracious in every respect, giving me much more kindness than I deserve. And that's what I get. I get much more kindness than what I deserve. And I see him as good and gracious and kind to me. One man said to me that, that uh, uh, Martin Luther never would pray for something more than once because he felt that if he prayed, it was a lack of faith to pray for it again. He says, do you feel the same way? I said, I don't know Jesus that way. That if, that if I were to ask him a second time, that he would say, uh-oh, you asked a second time, lack of faith, no soup for you, not going to happen, you don't get it. My, my Jesus is not like that. He's not like that. He's kind and gracious in every respect. I view him with kindness. And he says that, that when he served, he took what God gave him, and he says, it's, it's just, it's yielded so much. You will see. And then when he speaks in, in, in verse 11, he says, he who speaks is to do so as one who speaks the utterances or the oracles of God. When we speak the utterances and the oracles of God, this is, again, an act of, 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 of a gift. These are the gifts that he gives us. He gives us the service gifts. So start with the service gifts. Start in that way. And then, then at that same conference, I tried working in the nursery, as I told you, and that didn't work out well at all. And I knew I was not to be a nursery worker. And, and, uh, and the other thing about it is, if you are functioning in your gift, you will generally enjoy working in that gifted area. I do not like changing other people's children's diapers. I didn't even like changing my own children's diapers, but I had to do it, but I didn't wasn't something that I enjoyed. And, and uh, um, you will generally enjoy And I, I didn't mind carrying baggage. In fact, I liked it. I liked going to the airport and picking up people. There were, there were no Ubers in those days. And, and I liked bringing, bringing people from the airport. If you're functioning in your area of gifting, you will often enjoy it. It's not to say that it's easy, but it becomes a labor of love. 
It's not, it's certainly laborious, but it is a labor of love. If you're functioning in an area where you're not gifted, it's not that you can't do it, it's just that it wears you out. And, and there's not a whole lot of enjoyment in it. So, for example, if, if I had to plan a meal, feed a bunch of people like what Shireen does, I would be miserable for like three months knowing that that date is coming. And it, it would just constantly wear on me that I would have to do that. When I'm, when I'm teaching from the Word of God, it's not like that. I know, I know that God will fill me. Even when I walk in, like, like today, I didn't even really know what I was going to teach. I had a list of verses. I didn't know what I was going to But I knew that Jesus would speak through me. I just, total confidence. I've walked with Him long enough that He will take care of it. If I have been faithful to prepare, faithful to seek His face, He will take care of the teaching. He will take care of it. This is what, what you start to, to, to learn. That if you, you are designated for carrying baggage, your back will be strong enough. You will be able to do this. Whatever he has called you to. And he says, this is the service. He says, I want you to be ready for service. And it is these acts of service that determine how happy and fulfilled we're going to be in life. And what our eternity is going to be like. That's what it is. That's why I tell Shreen, when we get to heaven, would you mind if I lived in your house? Because you're going to be like so close to the throne. You just, for, for all the good things that you do for people. Because the, the, the Bible tells us this. That the rewards are based upon how we have served the Lord here on earth. And how we have given for others in service to him. This is what he has designated. This is not the way I've laid this out. This is the way he did. He gave to each of them a mina. And what they did with it affected greatly what they were ultimately going to be over. That mina yielded 10 minus more. He says, you're going to be over 10 cities. That mina yielded 5 minus more. He said, you're going to be over 5 cities. This is what we work toward. This is a blessing, and it is joy. It is joy to serve the Lord. There is blessing in serving the Lord. You know, if, if I'm not teaching a Bible study, if I'm not having to actively prepare for teaching... It's like I don't, I don't get as much out of the Word of God. As I'm preparing to teach others, the Lord fills me to teach others. And it's like I am the one. I am the beneficiary of this. Shireen is fulfilled in serving meals to people. I see it in her. She is fulfilled in planning all of this stuff and doing this. And she gets happy. If she doesn't have somebody to serve, it's miserable for her. I mean, all she can do is cook dinner for me. And it's like... You know, it's not fun for her. She wants to cook for masses of people. And when her kids are there, it's just constantly she's serving them. And when people come, she loves to do this. There is joy in this, and you get fulfillment in serving the Lord. This is what he's talking about. And there's blessing forever. Blessing in eternity for this. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word, the truth of it. Thank you, Lord, that all this would take, will take place, that everyone will appear before Jesus. Everyone will give an account of themselves before Jesus. Everyone will. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that in eternity, that we will not be judged by our works for eternity, that if we know you, that we are saved because of faith in Jesus, the work that he's done for us on the cross, and his resurrection. Father, I pray for the unbelievers that would be hearing this. 
that their souls would get saved because no work that they could do could ever get them salvation. Lord, save a soul today, I pray. And Lord, I pray for the believers that they would learn to serve you if they are not in a place of service, that they would not hide that gift, but they would learn to serve you. Bless them richly. Bless them richly, I pray. Draw them to you and let them serve in the body of Christ. Father, I pray your grace upon these young people that they'd learn to serve and have fulfilled lives. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name. Amen.